0: welcome to the OKC Community Podcast. We are so glad you're here. To get the latest updates or to watch this week's message, visit our website at okccommunitychurch.com. We're so glad that you're here. Thanks for joining us. And uh, those of you online, thanks for being here today. Well, we're going to get into Luke chapter 9. So if you have a Bible, you can get into Luke chapter 9, or you can turn your Bible on if you want, whatever. And we're going to get into Luke chapter 9. I've titled today's message, On the Daily. Everyone say, On the Daily. On the Daily. Which I looked up the saying of this on, I Googled it up. I Googled it up, On the Daily. And it was interesting that it came up under the Urban Dictionary, which is a little different than the Webster's Dictionary. You guys are familiar with the Urban Dictionary, right? It's like the place to go to kind of figure out like what your Gen Z kids are saying and you don't know what they're saying, and you just look it up there. Well, on the daily is not a trendy saying, but nonetheless, that's where I find its uh, definition. And it's, it's the slang version of saying on a daily basis, but all of us really lit, cool urban cats, right? We've simplified that, that complicated phrase of on a daily basis to on the daily. So I want you to think for just a couple minutes about what are two or three things that you do every day. Meaning you do it on the daily. It's not a sometimes thing. It's not a most of the time thing. It's not a weekday thing. It is every day. Two or three things that you do besides sleeping and besides eating, what are two or three things you do every day? Tell your neighbor two or three things you do every day. Go for it. Talk right now. If you're at home, think about it right now. What is something you do every day? right. (laughs) All right. I want to get a few answers. I always like getting answers from you guys. What are a few things you do every day? Just shout out an answer to me. Anybody? Something you do on the daily. Drink coffee. Okay. Okay. Anybody drink coffee? Okay, listen to this, I, I actually thought that would be an answer, I, so I looked it up to see how many Americans drink coffee every day, and I was surprised, 52% of Americans drink coffee every day. I was a little lower than I thought, right? But I also learned in that same research that 3% of people drink nine or more cups a day. And I was like, what? They are unhinged, right? If that's you, I need to pray for you, all right? All right, so I also learned, by the way, that 26% of people drink juice on the daily, and I was like, man, I drink that on the yearly, but okay to each their own. Anything else that you guys do? Brush your teeth. Brush your teeth. How many of you guys brush your teeth on the daily? Good. If you're not raising your hand, if that person is sitting next to you, you are allowed to move right now. <laughs> Anybody else something, something you do on the daily? Wow. Laugh on the daily. That's good. Pray. Someone said pray. That's what I'm talking about, wherever you're at. Anybody else? What? Oh, I say I love you. Scott, my man. <laughs> yes. All right. Well, listen, I was trying to think about just the, some of the weird things. If I do anything weird on the daily, and I, and I thought of something that I do every day. Um, and some of you are going to think I'm weird. Some of you are going to ridicule me for this. But I iron my clothes every day. And here's the thing. You can laugh at me. You can mock me. You can think I'm strange, but I think I probably am more consistent at ironing my clothes than doing my quiet time. That's just the truth, and it's something that I, I realize is in me, and, and uh, it's probably the one on my Enneagram coming out of me on the daily, right? But I like some unwrinkled clothes, and so I iron them every day. And and here's the thing. Some things are daily things, right? And just because it's daily, uh, We do a lot of important things that aren't daily. We know that. There's a lot of things that we do that are important that aren't everyday things. But the things that we do every day, those are clearly important things, aren't they? They're clearly things that even if they're just simple taking care of ourselves, they have a measure of importance. Our daily habits, routines, rhythms, the people that we have in our lives every day are indicators of who and what matters to us, even disciplines like Ironing our clothes or the savage ways of not ironing our clothes <laughs> reveal something about us, don't they? They reveal something about how we tick, about our personalities, about how we're designed. And so I want to look at a passage today that I believe speaks to this thought of what we do on the daily, and it comes out of Luke 9.23. It's a big-time disciple-shaping verse that I think for a lot of us uh, we're familiar with, but maybe we're not quite sure. Um, you know, what God wants to do with this verse in our life. So we're going to stop, if you will, in Luke chapter 9, verse 23, as we kind of walk through Luke here. But here it says this. Then he said to them all, this is Jesus speaking, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. Everyone say daily. Daily. Now, if you want to understand the full context of this verse, you have to understand the critical juncture at which we are in the ministry of Jesus, where we're at in his story. There's always a narrative. There's a story happening. And we are in the, we are in chapter nine. In the first part of chapter nine, if you were going to like look back earlier in that chapter, you're going to find an amazing miracle of Jesus that takes place. It's the miracle of when Jesus feeds the 5,000 with, with a few fish and a few uh, loaves of bread. And it's probably his most unique and maybe even, if you will, staggering miracle that he does. And after the miraculous feeding of the 5,000, the crowds around Jesus began to grow and, grow and grow and grow and get bigger and get bigger and get bigger. And here's the thing about Jesus. Whenever the crowds started big, getting bigger, he wasn't looking around, high-fiving the disciples and saying, guys, we've arrived. He's not celebrating his popularity. He's not telling everyone like, hey, we're now, we're now trending. He's not saying, he's not trying to make the news cycle. He's not doing those things. In fact, Jesus was never looking for fans. He was always looking for followers, right? And here's Jesus with these crowds. And any times there was crowds, Jesus looked for ways to thin the crowds out. He wanted to make the crowd smaller. He wanted to get rid of the gawkers. He wanted to get rid of those people uh, who just wanted to get something from him, who wanted to see the show. He wanted to narrow down those who were were just fans and he wanted to get to the followers. And to do this, he gave really difficult teachings. In fact, in John 6, the version of the 5,000, is after he gave that or did that miracle, it says that he gave a hard teaching And many of those who were following said, this is too difficult. And it says that they stopped following him at that point. Jesus was always looking to thin the crowd. He was was always interested in who wanted to follow him. He wasn't interested in people who just wanted things from him. Some people just want from Jesus, right? When we should just simply want Jesus. Jesus. And when he says this in Luke 9, it's a pivotal point because he teaches the crowds difficult things in order to start asking what really matters to us. In fact, a few verses before verse 23, he has this conversation with his disciples about these crowds. And he says this, starting in verse 18, he says, says, once when Jesus was praying in private, as he often did, And his disciples were with him, as they often were. He asked them, Who do the crowds say that I am? And they replied, Some say John the Baptist, you know, Johnny B, right? Others say Elijah, and still others, that one of the prophets of long ago has come back to life. But then Jesus turned to them and said, But what about you? What about you? He asked, Who do you say I am? And Peter answered, You're God's Messiah. He's like, listen, the crowds don't get it. But I want to make sure you who are my disciples, you who are my true followers, I want to make sure you understand who I am. And so he says, who am I? And Peter's like, you know, the teacher's pet going, ooh, ooh, ooh I know, I know, Jesus, I know. You're God's Messiah. You're the Savior of the world, the Son of God sent into the world to reconcile and rescue your people for your purpose. And Jesus is like, Yes, that's who I am. You're exactly right. And then he follows it up with this verse that we started with in verse 23. And I'll read it again. He says, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross daily, and follow me. Now, this is a command, isn't it? But it's not a command empty of a promise, empty of a blessing, empty of an incentive. There's actually an incentive if you keep reading. He says, for whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life from me will save it. Everyone say, save it. it. He goes on. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their very self? See the promise, the incentive, the blessing, the gift, the reason to follow Jesus. He says, whoever follows me will save their life. Jesus isn't trying to thin the crowds to be exclusive or to be harsh or to call us to some difficult, impossible standard. He's trying to help people understand the difference between being a fan and a follower. He's trying to help people understand the difference between being a taker and a giver. He's trying to help people understand the difference between being a consumer and a disciple. He's like, do you really want to be my disciple? You know, he's asking us that all the time. Do you really want to be my disciple? Well, you must deny yourself and take up your cross. To which everyone was like, I don't even know what that means, Jesus. That sounds hard, Jesus. What are you talking about? You got to think about it. At this point in the scripture, when he says this to the disciples, he had not yet carried his cross. We read it and we're like, oh, I get it. I got this picture of Jesus carrying a cross for me and he wants me to do the same kind of thing. They didn't have the example of Christ carrying the cross. And so when he says you gotta carry your cross, I'm sure they were like, what are you talking about? Now they of course had a picture in their mind of a person carrying a crucifixion cross. And so I have to assume that they must have understood this at some level that I guess Jesus is saying that we have to be willing Our faith has to be so strong, our belief in Jesus has to be so strong that we're willing to die for our faith. Like they had to at least understand that more than likely. They understood that he was saying, is is this going to be the most important thing for you? And he says, if you're going to surrender to me as God's Messiah, as God's Savior to the world, well, this should be the most important thing in your life everything else comes second third fourth fifth place to this idea of following me meaning everything including yourself that you must deny yourself see this is the kind of teaching that thins the crowds doesn't it this is the kind of teaching that makes it that makes people go i don't know if this is really for me this is this is the kind of teaching that that starts to to get down to who really wants it Jesus was always looking for those who really, really believed. You see, the question that you and I have to ask ourselves today is simply this. We have to ask ourselves this every day. The follower of Jesus, the question comes down to to this often. How bad do you really want it? How bad do you really want it? And when I say that, I'm not talking like, uh, you know, how a kid wants an iPad or some new kicks at Christmas. Not that kind of want, right? It's like It's like the kind of want when Jesus describes the kingdom of heaven and he says, listen, you're going to want it so bad that you're going to sell everything you have for the treasure of the kingdom of heaven. You're going to sell it all so you can go and have that treasure. Are you willing? This is what Jesus is saying. Do you understand how difficult this kind of teaching can sound? Are you guys with me today? Jesus was searching for those who really believed. He was wondering who will take the narrow path that leads to life. And again, this wasn't, this wasn't a command that was empty of a promise. It wasn't some invitation to a miserable journey. That's going to be difficult and hard that ultimately ends in death, like carrying a cross. It's oddly quite the opposite. It's saying Jesus is like, Hey, if you choose a life of self, if you choose a life of self instead of denying self, If you go and try and gain the whole world, guess what? You're going to actually forfeit your very soul. He's saying, listen, I want to end the cycle of death, and I want to set you free. Jesus is opening a door that he calls the narrow door and the narrow path. Luke 13, 24 says, he said to them, make every effort to enter through the narrow door. Matthew 7, 13 says, enter through the narrow door. Gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruct and destruction, and many enter through it, but small is the gate and narrow is the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. I've said this before, but <clears throat> this language of the narrow path, the narrow gate, the narrow road, it often is portrayed as some. I don't know, we imagine it in our minds like, man, there's going to be this really difficult journey up a mountain that every step of the way in following Jesus is going to be this potentially treacherous step that we fall off the edge. Meaning the narrow path often gets portrayed as a more difficult way to live. It's a little bit riskier than the wide path. And although I love a good mountain climbing illustration, Maybe coming next week, I'll have a good one for you. That's not what I think this verse means. I think he's saying, listen, I have a narrow in this particular verse means specific to me. I have a specific way for you to walk, a specific journey for you to take, a specific way to live. Not necessarily more difficult. It's different than the wide wide way of the world, but it's specific, meaning... Think about this. Jesus said that I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That sounds pretty specific. Meaning Jesus isn't one of many paths to to, to God, to the heavenly Father. He is the path, right? So every person in the world has to come to grips with what do they believe about Jesus. And it's got to be a very specific thing that you believe about him. And, it, and it's an echo of what Peter said. What the, who did the crowd say I Oh, maybe you're this dude. Maybe you're that dude. No, no, no. Peter says, you're God's Messiah. You are the Son of God. Come to reconcile the world. He says, listen, there is one specific path. It's not more difficult, but it's specific. He says, oh, oh, here's some other teachings Jesus says, right? He says, love your enemies. That's pretty specific, Right? He says, hey, all have sinned. Meaning we're all on the same playing field. That's pretty specific. Not, hey, those those people are worse than those people. Those people are you know worse off shape than no, we're all in bad shape without Jesus. That's pretty specific. And then he says, oh, oh! you want to love? You want to love? You want to have a relationship with me? Well, then obey my commands. And if you obey my commands, then you'll love me. Meaning your, your efforts, your work, that's not how you earn your way to the Father. No, all the work's been done by Jesus. Your job now is to love him. And through your love, that's the way you obey him. That's pretty specific. It's not, it's not harder. It's actually just different than everything the world teaches us. You see, the world teaches us that we must rely on self. That's why it's so difficult to deny ourselves. That we are supposed to rely on ourselves, build ourselves up, trust in ourselves because no one else is worthy of trusting. And Jesus says, no, 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 deny yourself. You continue to rely on yourself, you will forfeit your soul. This is very specific, it's a narrow path, a narrow gate, and a narrow way of life. And it's way better than the broad path, the wide path, that you get tossed back and forth by the waves, is how it says in Ephesians. And so Jesus is preaching and teaching something that seems difficult, that's thinning the crowds, but it's actually the way that not only leads to life, but it breaks the cycle of death. Sometimes whenever we think that my relationship with Jesus is about working, right, about earning my way and knowing that it really is about what he's done, it it really does mean like we can, we can relax in Jesus. This, this idea has captured my thought. Anyone want to relax in Jesus? Look at your neighbor and say, will you just relax? (laughs) Believe it or not, I feel like the call, I feel like the call to deny yourself and to take up your cross daily is actually equivalent to saying, relax in Jesus. Listen to what this says from, uh, this is from Pete Scazzaro out of his book, Uh, Emotionally Healthy Discipleship. And he says, Jesus issues this invitation to trust in him 98 times in the gospel of John. In fact, John states that the purpose of his entire gospel is that you may believe or be trusting moment by moment, meaning on the daily, right? That Jesus is the Messiah. There we are back to this idea that who who am I? Messiah, right? Theologian Frederick Dale Bruner captures the richness of this kind of trust when he writes, relaxing in is a good modern translation of trusting in or believing in. We relax by allowing ourselves to be held by him, regardless of the storms and circumstances in which we find ourselves. So yeah, we can relax in Jesus. Like we can relax so much that it might be called chillaxing in Jesus. I couldn't resist that really terrible joke, but I'm sorry. Um, It's not difficult. It's not a difficult way or nearly impossible way to live. It's just a different specific way to live. And it actually takes a lot of the hard stuff in our path out of the way whenever we just trust in the specific way of Jesus. All the difficult choices and decisions and ways in which we uh, wrestle with, there's a lot of complexity taking out, taken out of our life when we just simply trust and relax in Jesus. Jesus is casting a vision. He's calling people to honesty. He's saying, who and what matters to you, who do you say I am? Are you willing to deny yourself as the center of your world? This is what Jesus is asking. As the center of your world and your purpose, and are you willing to put Christ at the center of your life and purpose? Are you willing to stop propping yourself up as to make yourself look good? And are you willing to stop relying on your performance and your productivity and your provision by the way, as the way that you will find self value? Are you willing to understand that your value can't be steeped in how much you make or how well you perform or how much you provide, that your value is actually found in the fact that you are, catch this, you are God's child uniquely designed with the character and purpose that is crafted by your creator, that you are not a machine of grit and determination that is supposed to keep going and growing, no matter what it takes with no off switch, that Jesus and God actually sees you as something different than that. Do you know that's the way the world sees you, right? Just keep going. Never relax. Never trust we struggle to deny ourselves because it's been sown unto us that we must rely on ourselves. But God has called us and he's invited us to lean back into him like the song that we sing says. To relax into him because he, he wants us to deny the self that tells us that our value and our purpose is to make ourselves look better and be better and to do better all the time. And instead, he wants us to reorder our view of not only ourselves, but of our praise and our purpose. Let me tell you what I mean by that. By the, to reorder our view of our praise and our purpose. Jesus wants us to release the need to receive the praise that we so desperately desire from other people. But instead, he wants us to turn our praise to our Heavenly Father, meaning he's like, quit worrying about how people think of you. Quit worrying about trying to get the affirmation of people. Quit worrying about how many likes you got on your last post. Quit worrying about, you know, how people pat you on the back or affirm you. He says, instead, give praise to the one who's worthy of praise and relax in God's approval of you. Relax in God's approval of you as you are, because that's all you need. You don't need their approval or people's approval. You only need God's approval in order for you to start turning your praise to him. He wants to reorder your praise, but he also wants to reorder your purpose. Jesus wants us to fully join him in the purpose to take up our cross, the cross of grace, mercy, and peace. The cross that changes the world not by following the world, but by being different from the world. He says, will you carry that cross with me? This is what Jesus invites us to. Will you take the narrow path that I've laid out for you, the narrow way of life, Will you walk my path? Are you willing to take up your cross daily? Meaning, are you willing to die to yourself? Are you willing to elevate Jesus as the Lord of your life, the Lord of your time, and the Lord of your purpose? This is what Jesus is saying. You know, sometimes people will say, you know, my cross to bear in life is, you know, have you met, you know, my family? My cross to bear is my difficult circumstance, right? Some people think I've, you know, I've got this sickness, it's my cross to bear. And all those struggle and hardship and some of these things that are very difficult that we have to walk through, difficult circumstances, are certainly no joke. They're hard to do. And they may be a spiritual battle. We talked about spiritual battles last week, but they aren't your cross to bear. We don't all have a different cross to bear based upon our circumstance. We all have the same cross to bear and it's a total surrender to the life of Jesus. It's, there's no, we don't all have like these differing, like, oh, my willingness to faithfully pursue God through my difficult circumstances is my cross to bear. No, 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 no. That's not what it is. I just want to clarify this. Taking up our cross is total surrender to Jesus in your life. Taking up our cross means entrusting your life to Jesus. Denying self does not mean oh, I'm going to hate myself, or I'm going to not believe in myself, or I'm going to let people walk all over me. That's not what denying self either. means either, right? We know that it means it's more about understanding that the only version of yourself that you will ever love, the only version of yourself that you will ever love and find fulfillment in is the new self that you have in Christ. It's the only one. You'll never believe in yourself more than when you fully believe in God. Relaxing in Jesus is, it's a worthy way of living. It's about, it's about understanding who is worthy and developing and shaping who we are out of Christ, right? It's like, how do I live? Going back to this phrase on the daily, denying self becomes building myself up in Jesus every day. For those of you that have been to church for a long time, you've grown up in church, you're like, man, this is cut and dry. This is like bare bones gospel. This is like, this is, this is, yeah, it's, you get it, right? Maybe I'm not teaching anything new today. However, I know after 27 years of following Jesus, this is still at the core of what I'm learning how to do. I'm still learning how to deny myself and take up my cross daily. Because how do we really do that in this world? I still am asking Jesus. I don't get what this means. How do I do this? How do I do it in a world that is asking so many things of me on the daily? How do I do it in a world that is expecting me to do well, right? In you and your job, expecting you to perform at high standards for you and all your responsibilities in your life, whether it be raising kids, family, whether it be just... You know, going after the things that you feel like you're supposed to do every day and you're supposed to then smile and act like everything going great as you spin 17 plates at a time. And so yet we have this tension between Jesus being a marginal thing in our life. Yet Jesus is not allowed to be pushed to the margins. He's supposed to be the whole thing. How does that happen? Are you all with me? Yes. I don't want to just preach, hey, this is what we're supposed to do without being real about the realities that it's very difficult. And I just want to say this. It's not a treacherous journey, though. It's a different journey. It's a specific journey. And it's, a re- it's, a, it's a relaxing in the ways of Jesus, denying the self that so desperately wants to find our purpose and our praise in the world. But it says, I don't, that's not where I find it. I find it only in Christ. That's why Jesus' teachings... They did thin the crowns. They weren't exclusive, but he was casting a different way to live. So I want to end this message in in, in talking about something practical that we can do with this. You know, the call of Jesus is a a life-changing call that a lot of us have experienced. A lot of us have made the decision to follow Christ. but, But I think it's also important for us to realize that we all know this, but following Jesus, yes, it's not fandom, it's not consuming, it's not wanting God to be our answer man, our happy pill, or our genie in a bottle, right? That's not what following God should ever mean. But what, it do, what does it look like for us to practically take on the approach of taking up our cross daily? I know I was reading through the book of Luke a few, you know, before we started the series over the last few months, I've been reading through it a few times, and and i was so captivated by the way that the followers of jesus followed jesus the disciples luke 5 going back to the original moment when when the disciples followed jesus says this then jesus said to simon don't be afraid from now on you will fish for people so they pulled their boats up on shore now they is simon who became uh peter and andrew his brother and then james and john their friends And it says that they left everything and followed him. Left everything. And then Luke 5, 27, a few verses later. After this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector um, by the name of Levi sitting at his tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said to him. And Levi got up and left everything and followed him. Now, their story is specific to to their life. And it was for a special purpose. So I just want you to know, like, I don't necessarily believe that everybody was gonna stop and drop their careers when Jesus calls us to to follow him. That's not, I don't think, the story here. The story is that the seriousness and the, the, the impact on one's life, whenever Jesus says, will you follow me? It should disrupt everything, and for us, There is this nature that it changes everything about everything, meaning we no longer follow in the ways of the world, but we follow in the narrow way of life. And that changes everything. So perhaps today there's something for you that you need to let go of in order to take up your cross. A lot of times we're carrying around all sorts of stuff. That we need to let go of in order to take up the cross so i said i was going into something practical let's go back to this idea of on the daily and i have a question for you that i want to put on uh, the screen i want you to put it on your phone i want you to type this up So get your phone out i want you to type this into your phone um unless you're taking notes and you have a journal and you want to do it there go for that but i want you to i want you to write this question down and the question is this what is a new daily practice to deny self and trust in jesus that's the really like Webster's Dictionary question, right? But the Urban Dictionary says it this way. What's a new way you can relax in Jesus on the daily? What's a new way you can relax in Jesus on the daily? Sometimes questions are all we need in life. Jesus didn't always give us the answers, but he did, ask, he did answer a lot of our questions with questions. And so for you, perhaps it's a question today that's going to help you actually do something about this idea that we're talking about today. What's a new way you can relax in Jesus on the daily? Maybe it's a short prayer every morning saying something simple like, God, I trust you with, and then just say the thing that you need to trust him with. Maybe it's reading one chapter a day of the Bible. Maybe you've always wanted to read the Bible, but you've always struggled with it. Maybe it's just saying, Lord, I'm gonna commit to reading one chapter a day. I've done that many, many times in my life and there's something about it that is so life-giving. Just one chapter a day, five, 10 minutes. Maybe it's getting up 30 minutes earlier than you normally do. And instead of rushing out the door every day in chaos, you're walking out the door with the right mind and heart. And you're like, I gotta get up earlier to do that. Yeah, sometimes we do. Maybe it's turning off the phone at night you're like these are these really maybe there's just daily one degree changes you need to make in order to deny yourself take up your cross maybe it's turning the phone off at seven or eight o'clock just so you you don't end every night scrolling maybe it's praying for one person a day besides yourself we pray for ourselves but do we pray for others Maybe it's writing a note of encouragement every day, a text. Maybe you're someone that like, is a really good encourager, maybe God's saying, well, you should do that more. Maybe it's writing a text or a real note every day to someone. Maybe it's, and like I said, maybe it's letting go of something every day. You have to get up and you have to literally let go of something in order to take up your cross. What is a way you can relax in Jesus on the daily? And I want to encourage you to choose one thing that you can do for the next minimum week, but I really want to encourage you to do it for the next month. And a lot of these kinds of things are, they feel really empty when you say, hey, go try this idea. I, I get it. Like when we follow Jesus, it's a choice. You have a choice. Like nobody's following up with you. No one's going to ask you how this is going. This is up to you if you, if you feel like you need it. But here's what I know. Here's what I know is that Luke 9:23 is way bigger than a daily habit or routine. It's way bigger than a new idea. So what I'm saying seems really small in comparison to the gravity of 923, but here's what I also know, that 923 is not absent of the daily habits that we have. See, you and I are the sum total of the daily habits and the regular routines that we have in life. We are the sum total of those things. And if we're really gonna follow Jesus and say, you're God's Messiah and I'm following you, then our daily life, our daily habits will reflect that choice. So I really wanna encourage you, like, A lot of us already have really good daily habits, but I think there's always something that God's calling us to that's not more difficult. It's just more specific. It's just a better way to live. And I want to encourage you to step into that, answer this question. I'm going to do it. You can trust that I'm not just saying this, that I'm going to do it, and I'm encouraging you to do it too. Because like I said, following Jesus is always a choice. All right, friends, I want to pray for us, and then we're going to worship. Would you bow your heads Holy Spirit, we just ask you to come, and even as we sit with this question over the coming days, maybe later today, maybe even right now, Father, that we would write down the thing that you're putting in our heart that you want us to start doing every day so we can follow you with all of our heart, mind, soul, strength. I'm gonna leave that with you and just allow that to hopefully just resonate in your heart. But I wanna make one invitation today. Maybe today you're here in this whole idea of even following Jesus and this idea of this truth from, uh, from Luke chapter nine, where it talks about acknowledging who is Jesus in your life. Who do, you, who do the crowd say I am? And who, what about you? Who do you say I am? And if you're here today and you just need to just get your heart right with the Lord, I want to give you the opportunity to do that. You know, Jesus invites us into a relationship with God. And I know for a lot of us, we wrestle with what that means, what that looks like. But he did say, and I mentioned this earlier, but he said, hey, there's no way to the Father except through me. He goes on to say that if anyone would confess with their mouth that Jesus is Lord, this is what it says in the scriptures and believe in their hearts that God raised them from the dead, that they will be saved, meaning there is an act of confession and there's an act of forgiveness in order for us to have relationship with the Father. And so today, if you're here and you're like, I just don't know where I stand with the Lord, but I want to surrender to Him. I want to make the choice to follow Jesus and His narrow path of life. If you want to do that, you can just pray this with me. Just repeat this prayer. It's just a simple prayer, it's it's just a prayer of surrender is what it is, but we just say it this way. Just repeat this if you wanna give your life to Christ today. If you wanna follow him for the rest of your life, just say, Jesus, I give you my life. Just whisper that prayer, Jesus, I give you my life. Jesus, I give you my life. And then ask for his forgiveness. Say, Father, would you forgive me of my sins? Father, would you forgive me of my sins? And then we're just going to thank them, say, thank you. Thank you for your gift of salvation. Thank you for your gift of salvation. Thank you for loving me. Father, I just thank you for any person that has prayed that in this room. Lord, I just pray right now you would seal this moment in their heart, that you would work in them right now, Father, in a way, the Lord, the seed of your word, this relationship would be planted deep in their heart, produce new life. We pray these things in your name. Amen. If you just prayed that, we want to, I would love to meet with you afterwards. Just come forward. I'll be hanging out up here. We'd love to say um, hi to you, meet you, talk with you about your decision to follow Jesus. But I don't invite you to stand. We're going to sing, and our prayer team is going to be here. We're going to have this altar space open. You guys can go ahead and stand with us. And I just wanna encourage us that as we step into a time of worship, that this idea of relaxing in Jesus, right? This idea of trusting in Him, every one of us, every one of us, we need this in our life. And so I wanna encourage you um, to just allow the Lord to move as we worship, come pray with Him, respond to Him during this time.